Cool. So we're in this uh, series, and we're glad that you're a part of the series, where we're, we're uh, looking at the different names of God. And we're discovering that each of these names was right after an incident. So it was like a discovery. It was, was like a, uh, a revelation that people had that they learned as they went through something. And that's the way it is with us. We have this revelation of God as we go through circumstances, problems, difficulties, some good, some bad. We learn about God when we go through those things. And we learn different faces or facets or sides or aspects of God's nature that build our faith. So today we're looking at the name Jehovah Rapha. We're going to explain what that what that is and look at different aspects. And then we're going to pray at the end. Um, so here's, here's the, the background of the story. God had just delivered Israel from Egypt, where they had been enslaved. Egypt is a type of sin. So God had just delivered them from that life of sin. And no sooner had he delivered them that they had a problem. There's this Red Sea in front of them. And there's the Egyptian army who has just changed its mind coming after them. So they're... They got the, this Red Sea in front of them. They got the Egyptian army behind them. They don't know anything but how to be a slave. That's all they know. What are they going to do? And God performs a miracle. He tells Moses to stretch that rod, that shepherd's staff out over the water, and the waters part. And they got across on dry ground. But that's only half the miracle. The other half is the Egyptian army start chasing them down into that tunnel, into that open space, and God closes it up. He not only starts a deliverance, he fin- finishes, completes that deliverance. And the Israelites went crazy with celebration. They had this big festival, this big celebration on the other side of the Red Sea, Now there's no way the Egyptians can get to them, and there's no way they can get back to where they were. They are free. They're liberated. So they they, they come up with this song, and they're dancing and singing and celebrating. Three days later, they're out in the wilderness, out in the desert, and they're thirsty. The first problem they had was too much water. Now, they don't have enough water. Finally, they find this body of water, and it's bitter. Have you ever had that experience where God's done some great, wonderful thing for you, and you get this idea, hey, now I understand how God works in my life. God's this great deliverer. He sets us free. It's going to be smooth sailing now. Now that God's on my side, and the next thing you know, you're facing this bitter water. And they grumble, and they complain. Let's just, let's read the story so we have it fresh in our mind. I'm in Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to start reading in verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea 
And they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, which is a bad translation. I will explain that more in a little bit. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instructions for them and put them to the test. Remember that. We're going to talk about that. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God. Did you notice that started with an if? This is a conditional promise, like most of his promises are. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, not yours, his. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. The Hebrew that's translated, the Lord who heals you, is a compound name for God, Jehovah Rapha. Actually, the correct Hebrew pronunciation is Rapha, accent on the second syllable. But it's that word, Rapha, that we're going to look at today. It's a compound word. Jehovah, the Lord, heals. Did you know that God heals? Yes. Did you know he still heals? Yes. We're, we're going to talk about this. Here's the first thing I want us to learn. I got five of these key principles we can pull out of the story. Number one, nothing in the wilderness satisfies. They're going through the wilderness. The wilderness is a picture of your life from the time you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior until you enter into his presence at the end of your life. We are living in a wilderness. You may say, well, I live in the United States. This is a pretty good place. Take a good look at your journey through this pretty good place. I'm glad we have doctors. I'm glad we have hospitals. I'm glad we have police officers. I'm glad we have a military. But why do we need all that? Because we're going through a wilderness. And every time you go to the doctor for a checkup, you never know what kind of reports you're going to get back. They were led to Mara, this pool of bitter water. They were led by the Shekinah glory. You remember this pillar of light at the night and a pillar of cloud in the daytime? That was the presence of God. That was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament leading them. And he led them to this bitter pool of water. They were right where God wanted them to be. 
Did you ever think that? You got all kinds of problems going on in your life and you're exactly where God has led you to be. You got to remember this because nothing in this wilderness satisfies. They got their eyes off God and onto their own desires. God knows what their desires are. God wants to do something at Mara, but they've got to go through this experience. After Egypt, they expected everything to be smooth sailing. Not going to happen because God's trying to develop something in us. So expect nothing but trouble in this wilderness. This is not my home. This is not your home. Expect nothing but trouble in this wilderness. In my house, down in the basement, in the... Uh, what do you call that? The room where you keep the, the furnace and the water heater. Utility room. On the side of the furnace, I have post-it notes up there. If the furnace breaks down, call these people. If you got a water problem, call these people. How often do I have to have my septic pumped out? I got the dates up there. Call these people. Why do I have all those numbers up there? Because I know my house is going to have problems. And I want to remember who to call when I got a problem. You probably have a list like that someplace in your house. Because you learned through the school of hard knocks, everything you have wears out and breaks down. We live in this wilderness. It's not a perfect place. Things aren't going to break down like that in heaven. But here... They do. If you expect life to be sweetness, you're going to be very disappointed with life. If you expect it to be trouble, then God's provision, His blessings are sweet. Like a, a basketball player going to the coach. And saying, I'm sorry we lost that game. I did everything I could to make those baskets. But there was always some big guy with his hand in my face. What's the coach going to say? Hey, buddy, it's supposed to be that way. That's what he's supposed to do. That's his role. There's going to be plenty of obstacles in your life as you try to make these baskets and try to win your game. Plenty of obstacles. But listen, there's an enemy out there who wants to stall you. He wants to put his big hand in your face at every move. That's the way it is. We just need to realize that's the way it is. Because then we'll realize how desperately we need God on our side down here. Bitter waters, disappointments, can't satisfy the thirst with this kind of water. Bitterness makes us doubt. Right? Isn't that right? When you go through a bitter experience, doesn't it make you doubt? Challenges your faith. Jesus said in John chapter 7 verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. But we're like the Israelites. We gripe and complain and mumble and murmur about the problems we have. It's supposed to be this way down here. We have to find out how do we make this bitter water sweet? How can we drink this bitter experience? How can we work our way through these things we don't like? How can we do that? You see, we don't live in the wilderness. We pass through the wilderness. There's a goal on the other side. God hasn't led us to the wilderness to live here. He's led us to the wilderness so we can go through it to the other side. So we can go through our obstacles. We can go through these problems and difficulties. His goal is not for us to stay here. It's to go through these things. He wants us to become overcomers. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this and not trying to make this our home. There's a better place for us. Here's a second principle I want us to learn. The tree is the solution. There's a solution out there to this problem you have. We need to discover what the solution is. It says, Moses cried to the Lord. Why did he do that? Because he didn't have an answer. He's the leader, but he doesn't know how to lead. He doesn't know how to solve this problem. This dilemma, this bitter experience takes God, and he can't figure it out. Moses cried to the Lord, and God showed him, the NIV says, a piece of wood. King James says a tree. So I did some research on that word. I wanted to know what's correct, a piece of wood or a tree. And that word that's translated that way is translated tree 162 times and is translated wood 107 times. So it could be translated either way. But what makes sense here? A piece of wood makes us think it's just a part of it tree makes us think it's the whole thing. I think it was the whole thing. The Lord showed him a tree that was an antidote to the bitterness that was in there. Now, what tree do we find in the New Testament? It's the cross. We have to apply the antidote to the bitterness if we want to find healing. Now, note this. The tree was there all the time. But nobody knew that tree was the antidote until God showed him. What was there all the time was the key. No one could have figured it out. No one could have discovered this tree because nobody knew the tree had any power. Until God told them to throw the tree in the water. When they applied the, the tree to the water, there was healing. No, no one knew the tree had anything to do with it until God revealed it. God had to show it to us. Matthew chapter 11 verse 27 says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. 
and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So we can get mad as we want at people out there in the world system trying to turn this culture away from Christ, turning people away from the church. We can get mad at them all we want, but listen, nobody can discover this on their own. It's got to be spiritually revealed. God has to show himself to us. Otherwise, we're just not interested in him. So God had to show them this tree and how it applies to the bitter waters so that they can drink the bitter waters. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, He himself, speaking of Christ, Jesus, He himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. Past tense, past tense, you have been healed. So there's different aspects of healing we'll get to in a minute. But the first thing I want us to see is that tree was an answer. Yes. Hagar was lost in the wilderness, given up hope, put her son over there so she wouldn't have to watch him die of thirst. And the Lord showed her a well, not a spring, a well right there in the wilderness. Somebody had put a well in there and hidden that thing so nobody would get the water. And God showed that to her. God revealed it to her. She was over here dying, lost her faith, lost her hope. And right there was a well. She didn't know it was there. The Lord had to show her. Abraham was just about to sacrifice his son. Didn't want to do that. Loved his son. His only son. And just before he plunged the knife into him to sacrifice his son... The Lord showed him this ram just on the other side of the hill, caught in a thicket. That's the sacrifice. Abraham didn't know that ram was there till it was necessary. And God revealed it to him. Moses didn't know how he was going to convince these Israelites that they ought to follow Jesus. Just didn't know. And God says, what's that in your hand? That's just my shepherd's staff. God says, throw it down. He threw it down and immediately it began to writhe like a big snake. God says, now pick it up. That's the challenge of the faith right there. Grab a hold of that snake by the tail. And when he did, it stiffened back up. What's that in your hand? You see, we often want God to materialize some grand thing. What God wants to do is he wants to purify what we already have. He wants to empower what we already have. It's a partnership. God wants to do a miracle, but he doesn't do it by himself. He always does it through us, but he shows us what to do to bring about the miracle. Here's the third thing. A tree, the tree must be applied to the bitter water. Verse 25, it says, there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. There's the tree. Put it in the water. What if those people would have said, Throw a tree in the water and the water will change? I don't believe that. No way am I going to do that. You see, it was a test. Are you going to obey me? I'm going to give you these secrets of success. I'm going to show you how to be overcomers. Are you going to trust me and do it? It was a test. 
Every student in here knows that when the teacher gives you a test, you can answer all the questions correct. But if you put down your pencil and quit halfway through, you're only going to get 50%. And every teacher in here knows that 50% is an F. So you can't quit. We live in a we live in an American culture that's been Christianized for a couple centuries here in America. But we're putting down the pencil halfway through. We're only taking half the message. I can go to see the doctor, and the doctor will say, "How are you feeling?" I can say, "I feel fine." You know something? The doctor don't believe me. The order is a test. Gotta have a test. So he puts me on this treadmill, hooks me up with electrodes all over my, my chest and my back, makes me walk on a treadmill. That's easy. Then he speeds it up. Then he elevates that thing. I'm walking uphill. He's putting me through a test. He doesn't care how I think I feel. He wants to know how my heart's really doing. And he's got to put me under a stress test to find out how I really am. Listen, he wants to put us in a stress test. Then he knows how we're really doing. A new water hole isn't what they need. They need to convert this bitter water into something sweet. That's what they need. They need to purify what they already have. The tree must be immersed in the bitter water. The cross must be applied to your bitter circumstances. Bitter bitter needs a sweetener. And God knows how to do that. Examples about applying the cross, a point of contact for the miracle to happen. Here's the first one. There's a woman in the New Testament that had, and what the Bible, King James says, is an issue of blood. She's been hemorrhaging. She's having a monthly period that never stops. Years go by. She's a According to the Mosaic law, she's unclean. Nobody wants anything to do with her. She's got to separate herself from everybody. And she says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I'll be made whole. So she's got to work her way through the crowd to get to where she can reach down and touch the hem of his garment. And immediately when she touches it, Jesus stops. And he said, who touched me? Uh, Jesus, there's crowds around you, mobbing you. You're asking, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. He says, no, 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 no. There's power just went out of me. He felt it. She felt it. Everybody knew what just happened. There was a point of contact. Another time, there was a blind man. Jesus does a real rational thing. He spits in the dust, makes mud, puts the mud on the blind man's eyes, and tells him to go wash it off. 
If Jesus puts it on, why doesn't he wash it off? Because it's a partnership between God and the man. He has to go wash it off. And when he washed it off, he could see that point of contact. Third example. Jesus said we should call, or excuse me, James in the New Testament tells us to call upon the elders of the church if we're sick. And they will anoint the sick with oil and they shall recover. Anointing. Contact. You can't just think about this. It has to be a touch. There has to be a contact. It's a partnership between God and us. So the tree, the cross, has to be applied to our bitter experience. Here, here's the fourth thing. i got to wrap this up quick. He is the Lord who heals you. That's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Let's make sure we understand what we're talking about when we're talking about healing. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30 says this, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired Rapha. That's the word Rapha. He repaired, he healed the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. So we're not just talking about physical healing here. We're talking about mending, fixing what's broken. Here's a second example of how that word is used. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, here's a conditional clause. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will rafa their land. Heal their land. We're not just talking about physical healing here. God wants to fix what is broken. Yes. We could we could translate this mend. Wants to mend it. Let's go to the fifth point here. God provides a refuge in the wilderness. Last verse in the story where I stopped right there. I didn't read it, but I want to read this now. Verse 27. It says, and they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. God provided for them. God's an amazing God. He wants to provide for us. 12 springs of water. The number of completion. 12 tribes, 12 disciples, 12 wells of water. The only way through Elam is through Mara. The only way to get to Elam, where you got the 12 wells to satisfy your thirst, is to go through Mara. Bitter waters. Bitter experience. Don't get discouraged with your bitter experience, church. I want to wrap this up with this true story. A lot of you can remember when every every Easter for several years we would convert this stage up here uh, in, into a Jerusalem. We acted out the drama story of Jesus' death on the cross, how he touched people's lives. A lot of you were in this. You actually were participants in making it happen. If you weren't actual acting it out, maybe you brought in your hammer, your saw, and you actually constructed this cross over here. 
We got that motivation from a large church in Fort Wayne called Calvary Temple Worship Center, where they did a wonderful job of that. One particular year, they uh, they they recruited a, a young lady who was uh, one of my students in Christian Training Center named Brenda Whitfield. She was a, a, a black gal who could sing like Aretha Franklin. I mean, she sang it, belted it out. And she sang this song <clears throat> in this musical called There's a Healer in the House. And Jesus was up on the front. He was up on the front on that stage. And there were probably a hundred actors up there on the platform uh, acting like, you know, they were playing the part of people in Jerusalem. And they had this actor from Michigan that they had a relationship. He used to be in Calvary Temple. They brought him down to play the part of Jesus because he didn't just look like Jesus. He acted the part really well. And he was on the platform. And when she, when Brenda began singing, there's a healer in the house, this man playing the part of Jesus went through the crowd laying hands on people. And not everybody reacted, but there were some people that just acted like they had been blind all their life, and now they could see. I mean, they, you could see the change in their life. And it was stirring everybody that was a part of watching. It stirred them, stirred faith. And then, after he laid hands on many people up there, while she's still singing, there's a healer in the house today. Walked down the ramp, down to where the people were sitting. And went down the aisles laying hands on people. All the way down to the back, went across, came back up another aisle. The next week, phone calls began coming in. People had been healed. The guy's just an actor. He was faith. Released people's faith. Something happened. I mean, I was there. I got goosebumps when Jesus was laying hands on people. I felt the presence of God. There was a healer in the house. It was healing people's lives. Here's the good news. There's a healer in the house today. Today, there's a healer in the house. And I want to ask, if you are here, I don't care how old, young you are, If you are here and you have something broken in your life and you need God to heal you, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are right now. Let's do it. Can't be here all day. Let's respond. You need God to heal you. You know you can't fix this. This takes God to fix this. Now, those of you that are seated, I want you to look around the people. Look around behind you. Maybe it's somebody behind you back there standing up. You know there's somebody that needs a healing. You see who they are? I want you to go lay hands on them right now. Those of you that are seated and not standing, you go lay hands on somebody that's standing. Do you know where the Holy Spirit lives? Inside of us. We need a healing. Listen. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. We can actually take that to someone else. I can't heal anybody. But the Holy Spirit inside of me can. 
So we're going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for these that are standing. They're saying, "I, I got something broken inside of me. Maybe that brokenness is our physical bodies. Maybe that brokenness has to do with our finances. Maybe that brokenness has to do with a, a marriage relationship that's that's gone sour. Father, we need your healing. And I'm going to pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place. Would settle over these people that need a healing in their body. Right now, just bring resurrection power, God. Just let it rise up inside of us. Father, just let the power, the life, just let us... Experience that life, the life of the Holy Spirit right now, God, in our lives. Complete what you've begun. Complete what you've begun, God. Renew us. Renew us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe all of us in this house have received a touch from God. The Holy Spirit has done an amazing thing. Lord woke me up this morning at 3.30. Couldn't get back to sleep. I had to pray like crazy. And I believe because I prayed, God has arranged this situation right now. Healing is in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, do the work. As you're aware that God has done something in your life. Listen, if you've been sick, the doctor said you're sick. If God has healed you, you can go back to the doctor and he will confirm it. It's not your faith that does it. It's God that does it. It's your faith that opens your heart and makes the connection. Amen. Amen. God is so good.